Hello, handsomes. It's raining in Los Angeles. How are we all doing this week? 750,000 people, thousand, just marched in the streets of Los Angeles in a protest without a single arrest made. Makes my skin glow. Been seeing a lot of, well, I don't think the marching accomplishes anything comments. And I have to say, like, in protests as in friendship, just showing up actually goes a long way. Uh, it's been raining in Los Angeles like every single day for the past two weeks. But the sun came out for pretty much just the hours of the march um, because women are beautiful. And on top of that, uh, my work organized a trip to Universal Studios for the whole company. So I got to march for equality and go to Harry Potter land on the same damn day. So honestly, that's just that's peak Christiana. Um, I came out of the like the big 3D ride there, and it of course leads you directly into the gift shop, which felt abusive. But I'm wandering around there for like for a while with my friends, kind of tooling around, like checking out what's thoughtfully made and what's just like a shirt with the word Hogwarts on it. And um, in the corner, I suddenly see this beautiful white owl stuffed animal, and my lizard brain was just like, have to see it now. And right next to that precious creature was a white owl backpack. So, you know, like just really pushing up through that roof there. And oh my God, um, in that moment, I became a father. I knew that was my son. But uh, I could not bear to spend the money. Uh, it was not even that much. It was like $38, um, which... Honestly, for how much it carries, is really kind of great. Um, but I was just not going to spend the money. I was like, no, I don't know, I don't know. We went and did more rides and came back to the to the Owl Post shop. Um, my friend Chris uh, looked me right in the face after I'd been, you know, hemming and hawing for like 10 minutes. And she's like, you marched for equality today. You get that owl backpack. And now I'm a dad. So if you'd like to see pictures of my son, uh, please head over to the Personally Speaking Twitter, at It's Personal Now, where you can all see my angry teen baby boy glaring at you from beneath un- unblemished white feathers. Uh, this month's show is a goddamn treat. It is nice and short. It's just an hour. You could probably finish it in a day's commute to and fro. Uh, we've got local storyteller Kyle Glenn Johnson, who is starting a show about virgins who write erotica and currently hosts a show in Pasadena called On Level Ground. Uh, Nerdist standout. Uh, this was a Nerdist school standout just at a show I went to. Uh, her name's Jen Bashian. She absolutely killed me, so I just asked her to be on the show. Uh, poetess and a friend of mine from school, the sexually fearful Nicolette Daskalakis is great. You're going to love her. Um, and then there's the comedian and writer Joan Ford, who I will note is a transgender woman only because it's actually important to the story to know that. And then, of course, the charming host slash scarecrow of power violence, Whitmer Thomas. Let's begin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Open Space Cafe and Theater. Let's hear it for personally speaking. On this special Friday, the 13th edition. This day was nuts. I'm ready for it to be over. But not before we see the lovely Christiana Morganroth. Go get him. 
Alright guys, how many of you really good looking people, you specifically, have been to this show before? Clap your hands if you've been to this show before. Okay, no, 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 clap, clap your hands if you haven't been to this show before. Yeah, other people have been to the show before. Clap! Yeah! Yeah! Okay, now, now everybody clap together and just keep doing that. Yeah! Alright. So we had such a great comedy show for you guys. Um, when we, ha- we didn't have the money for that. So instead, we got a bunch of our friends to come and tell funny stories to you and make you laugh. And so that's what we have tonight. Um, my name is Christiana Morgan Roth. <laughs> and I mean, for me, as a comedian, as a woman. Excuse me. Um, let's take it from the top again. Try it again. Just like start it all the way over. Okay. Okay. okay but more, okay, less. Um, I'm gonna give you some direction. Go. On this. Be mm-hmm. funnier. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. Be sexier, and then do it skinnier. Okay. <laughs> Jacket, is it is it not working? What's making me fat right now? I'm uncomfortable. Take it off. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Hey guys, um, welcome, welcome to the show, um, uh, you know what, clap your hands if you have never been to a personally speaking before ever, clap your hands, clap your hands, I want you to clap your hands for me, now show them how it's done if you've been to a show before, clap your hands, God please clap your hands, thank you. So we had a show uh, that was a comedy show for you, um, and we didn't have the money for that, so um, we decided to have our friends come and tell you stories instead. My name is Christiana Morganroth, and as a, a female comedian, I'm here to... Fine. Um, honestly, I mean, I think guys just aren't that funny. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the case. Guys, welcome to Personally Speaking. This is my show. I'm your host, Christiana Morgan Roth. Clap your goddamn hands. Let's do this. If you've never been here before, this started in a living room because I had depression and not a lot of money. I wanted to put something together. I know that all my friends told the best stories. When Usually when they start with something like, remember that time we, I eventually end up on the floor, usually the kitchen floor laughing. So I was really grateful for that and wanted to put something together to that effect. Everyone who gets up on stage tonight, a couple rules. Rule number one, can't talk for more than 10 minutes. I don't want to listen to any person talk for longer than that if it is not in the comfort of my own home while I'm washing dishes listening to an audio podcast. Uh, The second rule, there's really no content restrictions. Um, As I've mentioned before, and we'll perform for you live um, with this microphone length, uh, suicide attempts are hilarious to me, especially if they fail. So, no content restrictions. Just make it funny. Please be funny. Uh, And finally, it's got to be true to the best of your perspective. So, most importantly, the heroes in everybody's story are your heroes. The villains in their story are their villains, whether or not they are themselves, you know, like 
man versus nature, man versus himself, whatever it is. Just get with it. Get on board with it. Um, as I mentioned, uh, my name is Christiana, which is not a good name if, like, you're born in this century. Um, <laughs> like, I, I always imagined, like, there was just at some point, like, at the moment of my birth for a long time, I imagined there was just, like, some wizened old witch that was just like, Christiana's here. Like, but that's not what happened. Um, my parents just had, like, a great-great-grandmother with that name. Um... Both of them did, which is terrifying, and I don't believe them. Um, that's what they say. I think they just made up the name. So most of my family has, like, very common white, suburban, middle-class names. Um, my mother's name is Linda. It means tender, soft. Uh, my father's name is Bob. My dad's name is Bob. Um, I think that just means dad. Um, just means dad. And then my my name, as, as we have discussed... Um, my name means one who is Christian. Expectations, reality. <laughs> um, and then my brother's name is Thomas, which I looked up specifically for the purposes of this bit, but I looked it up and I found out Thomas means skeptic of Christ. So I don't know what my parents were trying to do. They were trying to set up some like meddling with destiny or whatever. But clearly, if you've got who's like one who is Christian and skeptic of Christ, you want something to go down. Like you want a fight to happen. The year of my brother's birth was 1994. I've been trying to like figure out what made them put that together. Um, the movie that we all know um, as Hamlet with lions called The Lion King was the most popular film that year. So I think. My parents were like, oh, Lion King. They all saw how the family relations turned out in that, and they're like, we want some dinner. We want some entertainment at home. <laughs> I, think, I think they put a few things together. But also, do you know anyone who, if they told you they were making a feature film about lions with the plot of Hamlet that you would ever trust with your money? <laughs> at all? Um, so anyway, long story short, um, boys are stupid. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we know this. This is, this is not new information to you. Uh, the show, guys, this, this one's show theme is expectations. I tried to upend yours, pull that curtain back by putting someone who isn't me on the stage. Pretty crazy. Getting a little <laughs> wild with it. You know, getting intimate, personal, and yet keeping my distance emotionally. <laughs> so what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to have the first person come up to the stage um, I performed at their show. It's a fantastic show. It's called On Level Ground over in Pasadena. I'm going to apologize in advance. I don't know how much this shirt is going to show. I'm, I'm missing a button. I'm a poor child. Tall child. Um, I don't know. It's, we'll, we'll see how, how sexy the show gets as it goes on. Um, so put your hands together for the delightful last Thursday of the month storytell showing host, Kyle Glenn Johnson. <laughs> I remember when I first saw my pubic hair, or first I was in the first floor bedroom of the Chicago bungalow in which I lived from the ages of 9 to 17. And I was using the toilet, and I looked down and saw what appeared to be, at the time, a lot of hair, where I had never noticed hair before. It was like it grew overnight, and I bathed and dressed myself and used the bathroom every day, so I don't know how I missed it, but it was like what was once bare the prior day now was a large, uh, supported a very large bush. Um, and I was very worried because I knew that women were supposed to have pubic hair. I knew that the word bush referred to a woman's nether regions. Uh, and I had also seen my mother in the shower. Um, but I didn't know men were supposed to have pubic hair. 
So I was really worried. Uh, I thought I was a freak. Specifically, I thought I was a hermaphrodite, which was a term I learned from the Weird Al Yankovic song, Jerry Springer, uh, which was a parody of the Bare Naked Ladies One Week. Um, and I knew that that was someone who was anatomically male and female, and I assumed that's what I am because I have a female bush. So I, did, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I grabbed a pair of toenail scissors and tried to remove as much of this mysterious female hair as possible, let it just fall into the toilet bowl and flush it down. There's only so much dexterity one can display with a pair of toenail scissors. So I didn't remove everything. I had sort of a crude crotch crew cut. But I, I, not that I thought I would ever be in a position at 12 years old that I would be naked in front of my friends and they would see it. I just wanted to remove as much of this mysterious female hair as possible. And shortly after that, I... Uh, I discovered some lumps underneath my nipples, some small lumps, and I found out that when I squeezed them, I could procure maybe a half ounce of translucent discharge. <laughs> Female mammary glands, I deduced. Uh, and thirdly, that's one strike, two strike, the third, um, I, around the same, uh, same time, achieved my first seminal emission. And it came out red. Which was scary. I wasn't expecting it at all. I, I, I assumed what came out was what my father told me goes inside a woman's vagina and makes a baby to get her pregnant. I just didn't realize I could make it come out by humping a pillow. Um, and then I, I saw it and it was red and I didn't know what to do. I hadn't learned any, I hadn't learned in sex ed. I didn't learn about pubic hair by the time. I certainly didn't learn about ejaculation or, or you know, nocturnal emissions or anything like that. But I had heard the phrase, popping a cherry. And I knew that it referred to a woman's first sexual experience, which was red. I assumed this was a sexual experience. It was my first, and it was red. So I assumed I had just popped my cherry like a woman. So I essentially resigned to being a little bit of a hermaphrodite, or intersex, which is the term I now know. And honestly, I might be intersex. It seems from some statistics that intersex conditions are as common as red hair, and many aren't discovered until a post-mortem autopsy. But those statistics wouldn't have comforted me then. What did comfort me was a poster I saw in the Old Town School of Folk Music in the Lincoln Square neighborhood in Chicago, where I would go for my weekly guitar lessons. Walking from the classroom through the lobby... I saw walls covered in posters, band seeking drummer, guitarist seeking band, bass guitar for sale, and a poster of a band promoting their show. I have no idea what the band was or the venue, but I do remember the background of the poster. It was a man's naked torso. It's about from the chest to uh, mid-crotch area. Stopped just before things started to get good, but I could tell that he was getting hairier towards the bottom. I saw the crest of a man's pubic hair on a band poster, and it kind of saved me. I felt this weight drop from me, a drop that probably left me agape and with my eyes wide. And to an outside observer, it probably looked weird to see a 12-year-old gaping at a photo of a man's nude torso. But I just felt so much better. I realized men had pubic hair too, and I was okay. And then I googled male nipple discharge and found out it happens to other guys. 
not always, you know, with results of, it's a healthy thing. A lot are like, see a doctor. But once I was in college and I saw two guys doing it in the cafeteria. So I know it's something. Also, if you go home and, and try it yourself and find out you can do this, um, practice some patience because that well does run dry. I made it like a, a month and I couldn't do it anymore. Um, my Google searches on uh, red ejaculate have been far less fruitful. And every time I ask my doc, or my doctor asks me, so do you have any other questions? I'm always too scared to ask. But I don't know, everything seems to be working fine down there, so I'm not too worried about it. But when I think about, man, things that worry me about my body, something doesn't seem to be working right, something just doesn't seem to be made just right, I just think about that one moment in the Old Town School of Folk Music lobby where I was so worried about something in my body, and it turned out to be okay. And I felt a little empowered. I felt relieved. So much so that since that day, I have never taken a blade to a single hair below my belt. Not even to trim. Thank you all very much. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, his show is truly a delight. Uh, I talked about how I think my dad is in love with me at my last, my last performance there. It was great. Uh, jury's still out on that one. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I've been thinking, I w- I've been thinking a lot weirdly about what I could possibly get into to talk about for expectations for the show. And then I realized most humans are like 70% water. I'm like at least 80% expectations. So most of my stories revolve around that. And my perspective is already like so bent by that, that it seems, it seems difficult to tell stories where things turn out differently than I expected, because that's just been my perspective on life. Um, I something I've been noticing um, a lot lately in like a weird, weird year of romantic failure. Um, men keep telling me I don't deserve you. I'm like, I don't, I, just, I don't deserve you. I just don't. I don't deserve you. You deserve better. And I tell them the same thing that I tell my coworkers when they say, "I can't believe it's Wednesday already." Try. <laughs> I'm sick of that shit <laughs> um, The next delight Who will be coming to the stage uh, I, I saw her at Nerdist School And she managed to utter the words Pine nut in such a funny way That I immediately decided To ask her to be on my show Was real weird about it um, So if you guys want to put your hands together For Jen Bashian <laughs> a treat, huh? To make art um, <laughs> during such sad times. I'm going to sit. Is that okay? I feel like more grounded sitting. Um, okay, wow. I feel like I'm at a slam poetry event that I was dragged to like once. This is not my story, but once my mom brought me to New York was like, you're going to be an actress. I'll take you to New York. And we went to all these weird black box theaters and it was not appropriate for me to be there. Um, So this feels better than that. So thank you. Um, My story starts um, uh, with the place that I go to uh, whenever I attempt to meditate, uh, which I try to do as someone uh, with anxiety. I try to meditate and they say, go to a happy place. And to me, uh, the most peaceful place in my mind is where I went to summer camp, sleepaway camp, when I was uh, a young girl. And it was in the middle of this lake, in the middle of nowhere. 
in Maine, um, Lake Sebago. And my happy place, does someone clap for Lake Sebago? Yes, thank you for knowing Lake Sebago. Um, it's a really impressive lake. Uh, and uh, I imagine that I'm on some moss-covered dock on Lake Sebago, and my toes are dipping into the lake, and that's my happy place. And that's because uh, I feel like it was the one space that was pure, uh, pure happiness for me. I... Um, met my first real friends there because friends in school felt like half people that were trying to get in on group project with me and then half bullies. So it just was this horrible cesspool. So I got to camp and it was all these women. It's an all-girl camp with uniforms. Eight weeks long, no phones, no TV, no anything, no contraband, no candy. I'm pretty sure there was a no tampon rule, but then... Um, and uh, it was run by these two amazing woman warriors June and Pat who are 100% I think they were in a domestic partnership Um, but June was like the personality she would always pop into the uh, drama classes and just be quirky and fun and silly and uh, Pat was like the brawn of the camp she wore Birkenstocks that were really worn out and fixed your cabin door if it was broken and taught windsurfing um, so June and Pat and this really beautiful camp and my first friend Allie Schroeder who the first day of camp you know I put my duffel bag down I'm so nervous I arrange all my books and Allie Schroeder pops in yo what's up throws her duffel bag down whips out a bunch of J14 magazines starts ripping out pictures of the guy from Johnny Tsunami and <laughs> Xenon remember the Xenon guy the hot space guy he was so hot um, even though he wore like purple spandex Um, he was so hot and she just started tacking them all to the wall right at the end of our cabinet and I said Allie what are you doing and she goes dude it's our hottie wall (laughs) so then you know I'm surrounded by all these amazing people and they decide to taint it by having a camp dance which is when men are invited (laughs) it's an event where men come and break this beautiful place and um the only other man there was lifeguard Dave and he was like Pat's second cousin's son or something so it was like he wasn't a man he um and uh the boys from Agawam the brother camp uh came to a dance and uh Allie Schroeder and all my other amazing uh cabin mates dolled me up uh and put me in two polo shirts anyone remember that vibe when you wore two and a super short jean skirt and uh strappy sandals and I went to the dance and I started chatting it up with this guy named Reed I couldn't tell you any more about him <laughs> um, except that he was kind of nice and then they put Stairway to Heaven on at the end and so we just danced and I'm sure I said weird things and made weird faces and uh, that was it and then because we had no uh, texting no nothing then he had to write me a handwritten letter and it was called Agamail when you got mail and I knew the, one of the CITs that worked in the mail room and so I got wind at lunch someone said yo Jen Bashian has Agamail what? From who? Oh my god. It was this whole thing. So the mail bell rings because yes, we went everywhere via bell. And I go running down. Everyone's like, Jen, Jen, you're Agamil, you're Agamil. We pull the letter out. We're all so dramatic fiddling with this letter. And we open it up and it's chicken scratch from Reed Miller with hearts. Hearts on the outside and the inside. And he said, hey, dear, hey Jen, I had so much fun with you at the dance. I just have one question for you. Or two questions, sorry. I have two questions for you. One, will you be at the next dance? And two, will you be my first kiss? 
mic drop. Literally, eggs dropped. Everything dropped. It was like, what? The girl, my cabin just, people said that all, I feel like from miles away you could have heard just, ah! like, it was insanity. And then for the rest of the day, I couldn't think of anything. I met ceramics. I can't think about, I can't stop thinking about this. What am I going to do? What am I going to wear? What am I going to say? What's going to happen? And now fast forward uh, to the day of the dance. And I'm all dressed up in my pound of blue eyeshadow and everything. And I was there ready to go on the bus. We had to go on the bus to go to Aguam. It was their camp. And I was about to get on the bus and I just turned to Ali Schroeder and I said, I can't go. I can't go. Expectations are too high. I cannot kiss. I cannot kiss Reed. I'm not ready. And I have to stay. And she said, okay, dude, you stay. Stay and protect the hottie wall. Um, so I stayed and I, I think what ends up staying if you don't go to the dance is you have to go to the lodge with the younger girls like ages 6 to 8 you have to hang out with them and watch movies in pajamas and so I watched The Lion King in pajamas and I think that is more emblematic of who I am and what I want and uh, I learned that it's okay honestly to uh, let uh, your heart be your reality and uh, and Reed Miller probably runs a CrossFit camp or something somewhere now <laughs> so that would have been my life and I think it's, it's much better to be here uh, so thank you all so much um, do you guys mind if I sit? <laughs> um, no we're not gonna no that's fine um Anyway, so I was thinking about it, um, and I found, uh, I've really found, like, I was like, oh, this is why, like, my relationships keep working out in such a weird way is that I have, have these, like, very ridiculous expectations, and I realized I only know how to have boyfriends. I don't know how to have a fling. Like, just really quickly, look at my shoes. These plain black Oxfords with like half a toe gone right now. Those are the craziest shoes I own. Those are the craziest. That's like the wildest pair. I was like, they're so beautiful and so plain. When I saw them, I was just delighted. I was just wilding out on that. So those are definitely like, those are girlfriend shoes for sure. Um, and so, I don't know, I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe it's because I keep, like, assigning human qualities to a sweater. Maybe that's why things have been, been so weird lately. But, I don't know, it's this, this, it was the most terrible thing. Because, like, we had this whole, the, the gentleman that I've been seeing lately, who was just a total delight, total dreamboat, we had a terrible conversation on Sunday where he was like, I don't see a future with you. And I was like, I don't think anyone sees a future after January 20th. It's cool. Um, he went down on me on November 9th, which I thought was very sweet of him. So, um, so I was like trying to, you know, do a, like a throwback. Um, but yeah. Things happen. Expectations. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that having your expectations unmet time after time after time after a time, um, is, is a good enough reason not to have them anymore. I think the wild hope of, like, why not is just too exciting. So maybe, maybe I'm alone in that, at least in that, in that last experience, but I don't think we should stop trying, because if we do, we're going to go from being, like, having this fun show and, like, sitting on the floor to just, like, lying on the floor looking at the ceiling, and then that'll be that. 
and, I'll, and I'll be like, who gives it? Who gives it shit anyway? Things are just gonna be bad. People don't even know that Aka and Obamacare are the same thing. <laughs> so, let's not get to that reality. That is not an alternate timeline I want to go down. Uh, guys, you're your next lovely human being coming to the stage. They're going to make you laugh, smile, etc. Um, probably make you feel uncomfortable, but in a way that you'll like, you'll reel in and find it in yourself to laugh with. Um, this person is somebody that I went to school with. She's written several poetry books. I am definitely not counting the number of books I've written, which is zero. Um, but she's fantastic. She's done videos with BuzzFeed that I'm sure you've watched if you like hair or style in any way. Put your hands together for Nicolette Daskalakis. Hello. How's everyone doing? Can you hear me? Oh, it's so, this is great. This is like, it's literally a black wall. Like, I can't see anything. It's a hottie wall. It's a hottie wall. Non-existent. Um, okay, so I am, oh, thank you. I don't know if I like that better. That's like worse. Um, <laughs> no, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Um, I am here to read some poetry. Uh, I'm sure you were not expecting that. Uh, so before I've even started, I have already gone in line with the theme. I have broken your expectations. Bam, do I get some brownie points? Um, so I am, yes, I'm a poet. I'm not a comedian. I am many slashes, but comedian is not one of them. Um, so thank you for having me at this, despite my lack of LinkedIn credentials. Um, so you are allowed to laugh at poetry, um, despite what a lot of people think. You can snap if, you know, that's better. Um, you know, you do you. Like, feel it. Do whatever you want to do. You know, some, mm, like that kind of thing. I've heard that a lot at poetry readings. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm going to start off with some stuff from my first book. I'm very antisocial, and I have uh, written not one but two books uh, while locked away in my bedroom, away from sunlight and other people. Yeah. Um, that's the life. That's the life to live. Um, so, yeah, this first one... Also, sorry, I have, like, I prepped this stuff about an hour ago, and I wrote it on a typewriter because my printer's broken, and there's this guy that works at Kinko's that, like, keeps asking me out, and I don't want to go there. Actually, he, like, doesn't work there anymore, but I'm, like, afraid I'm going to run into him. Oh, yeah. Um, I figured with this theme, you know, expectations, the first thing that popped into my head, and actually the only thing that popped into my head, was the fact that uh, men continue to uh, not meet my expectations. Just like the whole male species. Um, so I have a lot of poems about that. Uh, sometimes even before we've entered a relationship. Uh, so this is called, You Should Have Tried That Last Wednesday. I gave up on you four weeks ago when you took six hours to respond to my text with... Nice. And also, last Thursday, when I wore a tight skirt to that concert and you ordered a beer and left early. And when I pretended to be interested in hockey, when you said we should go to a game, and then you took that guy from your astronomy class. And when we spent five hours together on a Tuesday when you should have been in class, but instead you agreed to drive me to the DMV and smiled at me three times and then didn't talk to me for two weeks. So I really don't understand why you suddenly started complimenting my shoes. <laughs> uh, this next one is called, 
you're like public transportation. (laughs) I waited for you like I wait for the bus, standing, staring in one direction, occasionally looking the other way to make sure I'm not being followed or joined by someone who doesn't know my name but wants to know my name. You never came, and I ended up at a bus stop with a stranger, and I told him my name. Uh, So, because men continue to just not meet my expectations, I decided to start going on dates with women. Um, Yes, I'm bisexual. Uh, No, I don't want to be in your threesome. Um, Actually, you know what? Back that up. I am very single, and if you are both, like, averagely hot or, like, definitely hot, like, I actually do want to be in your threesome, so, like, hit me up after. Um, all right, so, I uh, hope my mother doesn't hear this. Uh, this poem is about the first date that I ever went on with a girl. It's called, I Drunk Texted You Once. You're the only person I ever drunk texted because I thought I needed more wine than usual to get the courage to kiss you. It didn't help. We came close, in the alleyway behind the bar where everyone went to smoke. I wanted to wrap my lips around yours, but I don't know how to smoke or kiss a girl. You made fun of the band, said the drummer couldn't drum. You laughed at the bar's decor, said it looked like they were trying too hard. I wondered if you could tell I was trying too hard. I started to worry if you liked me, or anything at all. But I kept reminding myself you texted me first, if that means anything at all. You left. Suddenly, said you had places to go in the morning, so I let you leave, and stood alone in a bar with an amateur drummer and bad decor, slowly realizing I was drunk and should have offered to walk you to your car. Maybe we could have kissed on the street, in the dark, in front of your car. But I liked the band and the exposed brick and the way I needed more wine than usual to text you the words sexy in front of you are. Um, Okay, so this is uh, a new poem. Uh, But I'll sidetrack really briefly before this. Um, I always expected to, like, date someone older than me. You know, like, mid-30s would be nice. I'd like some mid-30-year-olds in my life. Um, But I can't find any, like, and they just don't gravitate towards me. They ain't shit. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm available. Um, So... You know, I tried, I found someone that was like two years older than me. Um, That didn't work out. That was 2016, which was a shit show, you know, Uh, just in every aspect of my life. Um, So this weekend, I'm going on a date with someone two years younger than me. Um, Yeah, not that excited because, like, I, when it comes to people that are younger than me, I'm very, like, junior high about it. Like, oh, I'm a senior. There's no way I'm going to be seen holding hands with a sophomore. Like, no, not going to happen. So, yeah, guys, I'm going on a date with a sophomore. See how it goes. Wish me luck. Um, But honestly, I think it's because... um, I'm going to say it, like, I look like a high schooler, that's why they gravitate towards me. Um, I said it, you were probably like, why is this 16-year-old here? But it has its perks. I got into LACMA free last week because the ticket lady was like, there's no alternate universe where you are over the age of 17. Like, no, I just don't believe it. So that was nice. But, um, yeah, that's about the only perk 
Um, and the past few months, I've just found myself in all these scenarios where there's a bunch, like a shit ton of like 18 to 21 year olds. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? And like last week, I ended up at this party uh, with a bunch of 19 year old male models, like actual male models, like the kind where you're like, do I know you or were you in a Gucci ad? You were in a Gucci ad. Um, and then they had their whole entourage of like 19 year old attractive girls in like 90s denim. Like, <laughs> were you even alive in the 90s? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I had to leave that party early because I was like, one, you guys are all in high school. And two, I want to make out with all of you. So, and I don't know who's like over the age of 17. Um, so, I had to get out of there. So, this poem is about a similar experience when I went to The Smell for the first time which is in Old Ages Club downtown. Yeah, anyone been to The Smell? Good place, good place. No alcohol um, and a lot of high schoolers. So, yeah. This is called The Dangers of an Old Ages Club. <laughs> Welcome to your high school dream. Long-haired boys with tight jeans and misdemeanors, moshing, sweating, looking at you from afar as they sell candy and cola for what is probably their first job. You avoid making eye contact with the boy working the snack bar because you know it's illegal. It has to be. He couldn't be any older than 17. Stop looking at him. With his long hair and sweet face, he is your high school dream. And you're 24, sober and still thinking this way. Run, fast, out of this place, past the bouncer that is closer to your age. Get outside, quick, before you commit an act of sin. Stop. You arrive in the alley only to find a row of pretty boys chain-smoking against chain-link, blowing smoke from their perfect lips, hugging leather jackets to their skin. Run faster from this place in the dark. Your legs are not long enough to get there quick enough. They stop you and ask you for a light. Their cigarettes have gone out and their eyes are alight as they look you up and down like something to capture before curfew. You keep a lighter in your purse for boys like this that you want to kiss. No, you lie. You don't have a light. And you escape the dangers of an all-ages club before it's even midnight. All right, that's all I've got. My books are on Amazon if you want to buy them. Or, you know, I have some with me, you know, if you want to, like, if you got a threesome and you want to buy some books beforehand, I'm here. I so appreciate how on board you guys all immediately got with the snaps and everything. That was wild. But what does that mean? I don't see a future with you. What is that even like? <laughs> I'm a Jackie, not a Marilyn, despite the blonde. So I don't really know where that's even going to go or going or is gone. Um, it seems pretty plain, but not if you have anxiety. Um <laughs> Or if you've been told, like, your entire life that you're delightful and charming. And I think, I think the biggest expectation that has been broken just by, like, a series of unfortunate events out today on Netflix um, <laughs> that has been broken is just the expectation that, like, oh, you actually cannot get by on charm throughout your whole life. I'm realizing that now as, uh, as a 24-year-old and everybody's older than 24. is like, she's 24. She thinks it's bad. Oh, boy. Um, 30 year olds 30 year olds please stop telling us how bad it gets it makes me so anxious about what my 30s are going to be like if I'm already this miserable please stop just be miserable somewhere else go 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 I can't do it I'm already I'm already upset enough about everything the next storyteller slash comic slash absolute delight coming to the stage 
um, told a story here at the same venue um, at Jen and Cara's sleepover party that just made me like explode with joy and laughter and like missed up a little bit. So I was like, okay, definitely gonna speak to that lady about getting her on the show. She is also a writer and personality, a nerdist. You know her, you love her. Put your hands together for Joan Ford. Um, so my story uh, is kind of about uh, my obsession from a very young age with Disney, which I know, very basic, but that's it. Um, but yeah, growing up, um, I was super obsessed with Disney, specifically the Disney princesses. Uh, I think it was a safe way for me to kind of express or indulge in something feminine with the kind of the safety zone of like me being like, oh no, I'm like really into animation. I want to be an animator when I grow up. I couldn't like <laughs> draw for shit. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, no, I really, I get me, dad, get me these animation books because that's why I'm watching all these movies like crazy. Uh, but really it was because like, like, you know, I related hard with Ariel. We were both like, we were both like girls who weren't like into like everything below the waist. Uh, and like, yeah, and, and I, I was kind of like all the Disney princesses. I was, I was, they were, they were like who I wanted to be. They were strong, like awesome, creative, independent women uh, who always kept, uh, who always, who always kept a, the, who, who always stayed, stayed strong, who always kept a look on the brighter side of life. And that's, who I wanted to grow into, even if I thought I never could. Um, but uh, flash forwards um, 20, 25 years, uh, I moved to L.A. and I finally start to transition. And uh, transitioning is, it's exciting, it's weird. It's, it's almost like you're re-entering the world and re-entering these places that you've been before and seeing them in a whole new light, uh, experience them in a whole new way. Like, to give you an example, uh, like the first time I went to, like, Denny's as Joan, uh, I, was, I, I was late at night and somebody called me a faggot. Um, which, to be fair, is like, well, now I'm like, well, it's Denny's. Now I don't want to go to Denny's anymore, so great. <laughs> uh, like, now, if I really want that, like, mozzarella stick grilled cheese sandwich, I'm going to be like... Do I want that enough to put up with someone calling me a faggot? And sometimes the answer is yes. <laughs> but most of the time the answer is no, so great. Um, but one of the most important places for me to re-enter as Joan, to go to as Joan for the first time, was Disneyland because of that deep association I had with Disney from a very young age. Like, it was almost like, you know, that was Joan's pilgrimage. That was Joan's homeland. That was her going home. Um, and I, I hesitated on it. I waited a very long time since, from the, when I started transitioning to, full, to go to Disneyland as Joan. And the night I picked was about two years ago. Uh, every once in a while, Disney will do these things called all-nighters. It's where uh, they, they keep the park open for 24 hours. Um, and I was like, that seems like the perfect time to go, uh, to go as Joan. So uh, I get off of work. My friends and I, we take the train uh, fr from Los Angeles to Anaheim. I'm like dressed in my, uh, have, I, I'm dressed in like leather skirt and an Ariel, like she's my, you know, my hero, like my Ariel part of your world t-shirt. And I'm like ready to go. So we're waiting in line. And I'm like, you know what's going to make this experience all the better? It's going to make it truly magical. I should do an edible. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's a long way to get in because everybody goes to these all-nighters things. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to like 
pop in a little, like a little bit of uh, chocolate and just wait for, and by the time we get into the park, it takes effect. And by the time we got into the park, it took effect. I was like, fine. And for like (laughs) the first 10 minutes, it was like, oh shit, I'm in fucking Disneyland. Like the the, the world of Disney has come to life. That's not a dude in a costume. That really is the Monsters Incorporated. (laughs) And I'm waving and I feel awesome and like loved. And then I pass a, like, this, like, gaggle of, like, 16-year-old girls who are all wearing the same Elsa t-shirt. And one of them goes, oh, my God, that's not, she goes, oh, my God, that's not a chick. That's a faggot in a dress. And I was like, first of all, bitch, what do you, what do you think is this, Denny's? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, and then secondly, I was like, oh man, you did not like internalize the message of Frozen. But then, uh, but then, uh, very quickly, my good fun high crashed into a shitty paranoid high. And I quickly came to this realization, I'm like, oh my God, the people who, as I said, the people who watch Disney movies don't necessarily embrace, necessarily embrace the messages of Disney movie. There are might, there are probably a lot of people here who take issue with who I am and how I'm living my life, and I just sunk into this awful, awful, like paranoid hole. And the rest of my time there, I was like just convinced that everyone there was out to fucking get me. And like, I remember like. Every, every, every ride became a nightmare. We went on the Cars ride, and just like a tip, like if you are a trans woman in a like paranoid uh, shithole, the screaming disembodied voice of Larry the Cable Guy, like not, does not, it's like, get her done, get what done, what's fucking gonna happen to me? Uh, it was a nightmare. Um, and the... The, so, so I'm just keeping my eye on everybody. I'm convinced someone out there is out to get me. It's terrible. And at some point in the night, I'm going to say around like 2 a.m., I start noticing this guy. He's like this scary dude in like all like leather. He has like a leather trench coat, like a leather hat. He looks like the villain from Rescuers Down Under. And for a minute, I'm like, is it possible his like cosplay knowledge goes that deep? Is he just supposed? To, is he supposed to be the villain from Rescuers Down Under? And then I was like, no, no, this is just a scary man who's somehow gotten into Disneyland. And I notice him, I start to notice him throughout the night, like the entire night, I see him. Like he's approaching us, he's approaching my group, he's like, he's like in the same, all the same place that I am. And like, it became a nightmare. I was like, oh, this is it, this is my like, you know, murder moment. This is why I'm going, my my parents are going to find out I'm trans because I got stabbed to death in Disneyland. (laughs) So yes, I spend like the whole night thinking I'm like outrunning my killer. Um, And the sun starts to, the sun sets to rise. Uh, the the days they start kicking us all out of Disneyland because the 24 hour thing is over and uh, we're on our way out and my friends are like oh we have to go to the bathroom you just wait here and I'm like cool cool and my like my uh, my paranoia started to die down the the chocolate's wearing off so I'm just waiting there by myself and this guy the guy in the the non rescuers down under cods play uh, <laughs> like finds me and he approaches me and I'm like fuck this is it I'm dead and he comes up to me and he says hey, um, I just want to say, like, you keep doing you because I, I think what you're doing is awesome and I want to show you something. So this is great. He, 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 it turns out his face, like, this side of his face is a prosthetic. He takes it off and he's like, I'm a war vet. Um, 
and I they tell me that like I can't they like when I do this in the park they tell they usually try to kick me out but I'm like this is my park and I should be comfortable here just like you should be comfortable here because like this is for everybody and I was like oh my god like uh I expected him to be this like awful like monstrous thing and he was just like going through a lot of the same stuff that I was with my experience in Disney and I was like man I really dropped the ball on my pledge to be more like the Disney princesses I was judgmental and I thought and I, I thought the worst in him and when he was this like awesome guy who by the way called himself the gentleman zombie he's like my name's the gentleman zombie uh and I regret that. And uh, from now on, I, I, I try to, like, inter- whenever I, I hit those moments of paranoia, I worry about my place in the world or how someone sees it. I remember to look through it the way one of the princesses would. Um, and I also am now aware, like, why Belle wasn't doing fucking edibles in that castle. Uh, so thank you, guys. <laughs> I definitely, definitely empathize with the with the gentleman zombie character in that story. Um, not because my face is disfigured, um, not not that part of it. But um, but anyway, just also just kind of feeling like you're in stealth mode in Disneyland. Um, I've I've like very slowly um, started to realize that I'm not straight. I'm just like straight. Um, so it's just it just kind of like it it's. Realizing that I would be straight passing in, well, in anywhere except like middle school. Um, middle school definitely woo, was not straight passing at that point. Um, but at this point, at the very least, like I, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable like looking. Well, I'm comfortable looking at women, and then I'm uncomfortable that I'm still romantically attracted to men. I'm like, it feels tragic. Like, of all the things, of all the people, to, of all the burdens to bestow upon a young woman, <laughs> attraction to men? Are you fucking kidding me? It's 2017. 2017. We're not supposed to be attracted to men anymore. That shit doesn't happen. So, no. Um, guys, to close out this delightful show, uh, we're bringing somebody on who was on the show previously when we were back in the living room and definitely has a fantastic, fantastic show over at the satellite called Power Violence. And if you don't know about that, you should because it's part of the reason this show exists. Put your hands together for Whitmer Thomas. Thank you all. Give it up for everybody you've seen so far tonight. These have all been beautiful, poignant moments, and uh, you're lucky to have gotten to see them. And uh, I don't know why I have to go at the end, but here we go. <laughs> um, well, so uh, I've I've been in a, I was in a relationship for about three years, and it was really bad. Um, and then we broke up this summer, and I, I, you know, started dating. And I've never really dated as like a grown man with a career. And uh, it, it was interesting. It's been interesting, and uh, um, things have changed in three years for the better, I think. And I think uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely good. But it's it's I often tend to overcorrect in situations, and um, so dating has been interesting because. I remember being 23 and going on dates and just kind of 
not ever thinking about anything and now that I'm older and more mature uh, I maybe overthink a bit so uh, so this is a story about that Um, there was a girl that I really liked years ago before I met my ex-girlfriend and um, we had always sort of had a crush on each other and texted back and forth she would go see stand-up shows and I was always I always looked forward to seeing her you know and uh, then uh, I met my girlfriend and we dated for years and I lost contact with this other person then uh, me and my girlfriend broke up and kind of out of the blue a couple weeks after we broke up this girl texted me and uh, she it was about 11.30 at night and she texted me like hey what are you doing <laughs> and I was like I'm at a bar <laughs> I was like sitting on my couch watching Hellraiser 3 <laughs> and she was like oh cool do you, hey do you want to go to the frolic room I'm here with uh, some friends and I was like frolic room um, and typically I don't like to hang out in places that were featured in the opening credits of the entourage but uh, I did this night as I just like left my place in Highland Park and drove all the way to West Hollywood and uh I get there, we're hanging out, drinking, it's good to see her. She looks like so beautiful and sexy and just like everything I remembered. And I was in like a very sexless relationship for a long time. And so this was like just so excited to be like experiencing her kind of sexual feminine vibes that she was, you know, having. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we were just talking and I honestly just thought we were just talking, hanging out, talking. Her friends were with her, you know? And her friends walk away, they go to the bathroom. And whenever they walk away, she leans into me and she says, it's so funny that you came here tonight. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm happy to be here or whatever. And she's like, "Uh, it's just funny to me because this isn't your scene, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, well, no, it's fine, you know? (laughs) And she's like, I know, but I know the only reason you came here tonight is to fuck me. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? And she goes, no, no, it's okay. That's why I invited you. And I go, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) And she goes, well, what do you say we go back to my place? And I was like, yeah, I want that. So we, uh, she basically picks me up, puts me in her arms, and <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we get back to her place. It's fucking amazing. It's so cool. It's like everything I had thought about for the last three years. You know? <laughs> We're making out, tossing each other around, listening to music. She has a dog that fucking hated me. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, the dog did not like me um, we're kissing she takes off all of her clothes and takes off all of my clothes and I'm making out with her boobs <laughs> and she only had one nipple pierced never seen that it was cool because I could be like you know and I feel like being a normal regular guy I kind of feel like being a bad boy now <laughs> Uh, it was a good balance. 
sometimes it takes things being off balance to be balanced. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. No. Uh, so we're making out. It's uh, I'm too afraid to have sex, and I say that. I, let's like let's just fool around. I, I'm fucking terrified. And if you touch me for longer than three seconds, it's over. Uh, and. So we're making out and having fun, whatever. I start going down on her, and as I start to go down on her, she goes, No, don't do that. Stop. And I was like, Oh my God, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. She goes, You know what? Never mind. Do it. <laughs> and I was like, You can't keep doing that. <laughs> and this is where it sounds like bragging. Um... So I go down on her, and literally within 15 seconds, she has an orgasm. And I was like, all right, Wit is back. <laughs> um, so from, I go up to kiss her, or say hi, or uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever she wanted. I go up, she's in charge. Uh, <laughs> And from the time that it takes me to get from her crotch to her face, she has completely fallen asleep. <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm like, hey, what? you're sleeping, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I feel like, all right, well, I'm not going to wake her up and be like, are you going to suck my dick or what? <laughs> never do that so I'm like I guess I'll leave a note and go home or something text her out and say thank you for tonight or you're welcome or whatever um, so I'm looking for my clothes everywhere can't find them they're gone I'm naked you know uh, looking can't find them it's in the dark look her dog is growling at me. <laughs> then I realize that she is sleeping on top of my clothes as if they are her shadow. She, like, my clothes are laid out like this, and she's sleeping like this. <laughs> and I'm trying to tug at her clothes, and I can't get her to move off of them. I'm trying to tug at my clothes, so I find some sweatpants of hers and a shirt, and um, I put that on. And I'm like, I'll just bring this to her tomorrow. And I begin to leave out her back door. And that's when I remember, oh my God, she told me she lived in her parents' back house. And, and there's her little brother right there. <laughs> Looking at some strange man in his big sister's clothes running around in the backyard. So uh, I kind of just went, all right, going to go back in. <laughs> and I just went back in. And paced around, and I looked at her sleeping peacefully, thinking, she got hers. And uh, good for her, you know. I laid there, um, sat Indian style, got the dog to like me. <laughs> and I thought about the shape of things to come. The state of the world. And I thought... This is great. This is 2016, man. Way different than 2012, you know? In 2012, women wouldn't have been coming and falling asleep. But nowadays, they are. They're getting theirs, and I like that. I had a thought, Hillary is gonna win. Um, 
sat there Indian style thinking that positive of it um, and then uh, you know I sat there Indian style it's about 6 a.m. Uh, <laughs> and she, she kind of woke up and was like what are you doing and I was like oh I needed my my clothes that you're on top of and uh, I'm ashamed <laughs> and she was like oh here you go you, you could sleep in bed with me and I was like yeah I, I, I don't know why I never did that um, <laughs> anyway I put on my clothes and uh, left and um, I, I don't really know the metaphor in this situation I think that if anybody out if somebody out there could probably articulate it better than me um, and then you could tell me it and then I could then from now on say that on stage uh, <laughs> so um, but I guess there's not really an ending other than I'm really good at oral sex. <laughs> no. Um, no, I don't know. Um, I guess that's the end. The expectations, right, were um, to, I guess, also have a, a sex or something. But that's uh, <laughs> expectations. All right, have a good night. <laughs> How like a man not to finish what he started. <laughs> no, wait, that story was beautiful, thank you. Um, I mean, it, I feel like the moral of the story is fuck, sleep, get pussy. It's a great story. That's a great story. That is a heartwarming tale. Warms the cockles of my heart. Everyone only likes saying that for the joke that is cockles. Um, sorry I went for that low blow. Um, but anyways, I feel like we have, in just one evening, in just an hour, you guys still have so much time to like do whatever you want with your lives, do whatever you want with your night, etc. You guys really thought that was going to like go all the way home. Um, this is also, I don't know, what else can we do with this? Let's just, let's just sit with it for a moment. Um, but yeah, we've learned about ourselves, we've learned about one another. You know, just doing some stretches. Um, it's like a, a YouTube instructor taught me it, it's cool. Um, so yeah, we've learned, we've grown as people, we have withered away slightly in the recesses of our hearts, we've recognized, confronted the truth that we will um, die alone in, in meaningful ways, but doesn't mean we can't live together, guys. Thanks for coming. You don't have to stay here, but you can never go home. Get out of here. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> That's where it goes. You made it. Nicely done. Hello to our new listeners in Finland, by the way. Wow. Uh, now please go ask someone else to do exactly what you just did and listen to our show. Tell your crush to listen to it. Spray paint the link on ugly walls. Go crazy. Next month's show is Friday, February 10th at the Open Space on Fairfax in Los Angeles, putting together a phenomenal lineup for it, so do not miss it. Email me with any questions, comments, concerns at personallyspeakingshow at gmail.com. Like I always say, you don't have to stay here, but you can never go home. Love you guys. Thanks for listening.